0: I've got the victory living inside of me. I got the greater war I can't overcome. This ain't no time to turn back. No place to grow slack. I gotta keep pressing on till every battle is won. Good morning, class. Hi, I'm Keith Moore and we welcome you to Faith School. Faith School is the place where our spirit gets fed, where our faith grows stronger and where I learn how to be an overcomer. Uh, We want you to go ahead and say that out loud at the beginning of the class because it's it's a release of faith. No need to wait until halfway through the class to start doing that. Just start doing it right off the bat. We're going to believe the Lord to get answers today, help exactly where we need it for right now. Get your Bible, get something to make a note with, come on into the classroom with us and let's pray. Father, we give you all the praise and thanks for all the good things that have already happened and you have sustained us and kept us every day uh, so that we've made it until this present hour and you who have got us this far, You'll take us the rest of the way. And we confess that uh, with long life, you'll satisfy us and show us your salvation. We ask you for uh, direction and help, exactly what we need to see and hear for today. In Jesus' name, we ask it. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Would you look, please, in the great textbook, the Bible, to the uh, 28th chapter of Acts? <clears throat> Let's continue. In our study, we've been on a series for a number of weeks now that we're calling Faith for Healing. We looked through the individual accounts in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, 20 of them. Then we began in the book of Acts. We're down to our fifth individual account here in the book of Acts. If you were not with us for the previous ones, go online, faithschool.org. It won't cost you anything. They're all there no charge, and we believe it would benefit you to take the time to feed on them, because uh, uh, those of us that have heard all of these, man, our faith is kicking. We're, uh, we, we, we're getting free from mm-hmm. questions of doubt and unbelief, getting settled, getting, getting fully persuaded, yeah. and so you want to hear the previous ones. But today, we are down to this fifth account in the book of Acts, the healing of Publius father, we saw in the 27th chapter of Acts they had been in this storm, this typhoon for over two weeks, I guess, and um, look, the, the scripture said all hope that they should be lost was excuse me, should be saved, was taken away, was lost. And so um, the angel of the Lord appeared to uh, Paul, and no doubt he was praying. <laughs> seeking God, and told him that uh, he had to be brought before Caesar, that 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 was going to happen. Well, that means you can't die out here in this storm. You know, you can, based on what God has told you, you can conclude certain things and, and then give no thought to them in your thought life, no place to them. Well, you know... Because everything looked like they're going to die out here in this storm. Everything looked like that. Like you said, for, for days, they hadn't seen the sun or the moon or star. They couldn't tell if it's daylight or dark. It was so dark in the middle of this cloud. You've got to realize um, they're caught up. They don't even have powerful engines that they can try to get out of it anyway. They're traveling with the storm. They're caught in it, and they're moving with it, so they're, they're not getting out of it. They're staying in it, and the ship can only take so much. It, they had already threw everything overboard that they could get loose, and finally it did. It The, the part of the front part of the ship, I guess, they, they ran to aground ground, and the back part, the, the waves were so violent, it just tore it up. It just broke off the back of the ship. Well you got moments before you're caught up in the wreckage of the ship and go down. So they all jumped off. Some had a piece of board and some had a different thing to float with. And every one of them made it to the island. And that's what the angel told him would happen, that they'd all be saved. And so when they got there, I'm going to read this again to you from this, uh, well, I'll just read it in the King James today. Uh, When they escaped, they knew the island was called Malata, or Malta, and the barbarous people showed us no little kindness, for they kindled a fire and received us, every one, because of the present rain and because of the cold. And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, there came a viper out of the heat and fastened on his hand. And when the barbarians saw the venomous beast hang on his hand, they said among themselves, no doubt, this man's a murderer whom though he has escaped the sea, yet vengeance suffers not to live. Now the word there for vengeance was justice. And it had to do with the goddess Justitia. And that's what they're saying is the, the goddess is not going to let him get by with this. He shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm. This is a miracle. So there's no way... He didn't really get bit, <laughs> right? I mean, this thing has got its fangs stuck in his hand. Elsewise, it'd be gone. And it's hanging off of his hand. And so he's, he's definitely injected with some of the most deadly toxins there are. And, every, and the islanders, they know this snake. And they looked and, and fully expected him to swell up or fall down dead suddenly in verse 6. The question arises, you know, how did this happen? And people ask that many times, you know. There are people write books about it, you know. Why do bad things happen to good people? And there's a big problem just with the premise of that question. Why do you think... Protection is owed to you just because you exist. See, that, people say, well, I have a right to a happy life. Why? According to who? <laughs> you see what I'm, say- what I'm saying? Yes. People have some presumptions that are based on nothing. No, the truth is, the wages of sin is death, and you have sinned and missed it. And so you don't want to talk about what you deserve because it wouldn't be good. But in Christ, he took the punishment we deserved so we could get the grace and mercy we didn't deserve. Hallelujah. So we get to have some protection if we'll listen to him and trust him, believe him. We get to enjoy good things. We can have a good life. We can be saved and make heaven. But it's not because we deserved it. It's not because we earned it or just because we exist. It was owed to us. That's a lie. That's absolutely wrong. It's because God is good and gracious and merciful and you received him. Hallelujah. You received what, what was not owed to you. But um, when something like this happens, you'll see people go off on all kinds of tangents. And and all too often, they blame God and even get mad at God. In uh, Luke, uh, we won't turn there and look at it for time's sake, but in, in Luke, they told Jesus about a tower that had fell on some people and got killed. And he said this when they brought it up. He said, do you think those people that that tower fell on were worse people than anybody around there, that that's why that happened to them? He said, I tell you, no. So there's the answer to a very important question that people are asking. Does that mean they're bad people is why that bad thing happened to them? Well, see, that's what these folks were looking at. When Paul gets bit by the most venomous snake, probably on the island, they're thinking, what'd they say? He's a bad guy, right? He's bound to be a murderer. He thought he escaped justice because he got out of that storm. But uh uh-uh, the goddess justice got him. But they're worshiping false gods that don't even exist. And what's about to happen is they're about to meet and see a manifestation of the one true living God. Hallelujah. In This not deliverance uh, from it happening, but deliverance from the effects of it happening. Now this, the scripture went on to say, he shook the beast off in the the fire and felt no harm. Everybody said out loud, he felt no harm. No, No evil effect, one translation said. No evil effect. And uh, they looked when he should have swollen or, or fallen down dead suddenly, but after they looked a great while, so they gave it plenty of time to, to make sure that something, something differents happening here. and saw what? No harm come to him. Same thing. He felt no harm initially. And then they saw there were no evil effects of the toxins or the poison in his system. They changed their minds. <laughs> oh, come on. Did you hear that phrase? Yes. They changed their minds. That's a, another way of saying repented. That's a component of repentance. See, this is a big change. They don't realize it yet. But they need to change, they need to be converted in the way they think from worshiping these false gods, the God of vengeance and justice and all this other stuff, to the one true living God. They They need to be changed to believe in Jesus. And that's what's about to happen. And this was the occasion of it happening was a shipwreck. And a snake bite. Huh? A shipwreck and a snake bite. You can't say, well, you know, yeah, God sent that storm so that would happen. No, that's going too far. Because he warned them not to get in the storm. Right? And if they'd listened to him, it wouldn't happen that way. But what we can see, we've talked about this before, God can take even what the enemy meant for evil and turn it around and do something good. But it wasn't what the enemy planned at all. I mean, the devil's plan was for them to all die out there in the ocean in that storm, and Paul never make it to Rome and never preach to Caesar and his household. And even if Paul did make it out of the shipwreck, it wasn't the goddess Justicia that's motivating a snake to bite the apostle on his way to Rome. Come on, can you see this? It was a snake motivating a snake. Huh? It was that old serpent, the devil, uh, trying to maneuver things and set up things so that Paul never makes it to Rome. He doesn't want the gospel getting to Rome. But the Lord uses what the enemy meant to stop it to actually open up the island for evangelism. (laughs) Oh, come on, can you see that? Because instead of them just thinking, well, we're going to help these poor prisoners and shipwreck guys out, you know, get them warmed up, maybe get a meal in them. Instead of that, now it's completely changed. And they go, "Ooh, he must be a god. Well, that's not the solution. That's not the end of this. But at least now he's got an opening. He, can you see this? He's got some respect. They're willing. You ought to listen to a God. <laughs> right? You ought to, if he wants to speak, you ought to listen to it. And so uh, he was not delivered from being bitten. He was delivered out of being bitten. Do you remember what happened in Daniel when uh, King Nebuchadnezzar built the big fire and threatened to throw him in? You remember all that? Let's go back there and look at that just a little bit because this is a very similar thing in Daniel and the third chapter. Daniel, the third chapter, you remember the story that uh, Nebuchadnezzar was on a big ego trip. And he made him this giant gold statue of his self and invited, or didn't invite, commanded everybody to come and worship before the statue of him. And uh, when it came time to do it, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, who were Jewish young men, they wouldn't do it. The music came and everybody hit the deck and there were three heads standing up. Mm -hmm. And that really uh, shows up. Mm -hmm. When everybody else is on the deck. How many know there's a time when you're supposed to stand out? Hmm? Mm -hmm. There's a time when you are not supposed to go with the flow. You are not supposed to conform to the world. It's going to make you stand out, but at that point, you need to stand out. You need to. And so uh, the word got back all the way back to the throne. He's there, you know, overseeing the whole giant event. Big crowd, giant crowd. People from all the provinces, all the leaders. It was a big deal. And they said, do you know there are three men who won't bow down to your statue? No. Who are they? So they drag them in front. Well, it was not a pleasant surprise because these three and Daniel have become some of his favorites. And so he wants to give them an opportunity to, to you know, show that it was a mistake. You know, maybe they didn't hear, whatever. And, and they say, no. He, he said, is it true? You won't fall down and worship my image? And uh, he said, do you not understand? If the music plays again, and you don't fall down and worship my image, you'll be thrown into that fiery furnace over there. And what is that God? Who is that God that can deliver you out of my hand? And they said, we are not careful to answer you. We don't have to, we don't need time to think about this. Um, If you uh, don't throw us in, we are not going to worship your image. And if you do throw us in, our God, whom we serve, is able, and he will deliver us. Oh, do you hear the faith in that? He will deliver us. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, some people have said, well, you know, they said, and if not, uh, then we won't worship. You got to look at the language of that. They're not saying if God God will deliver us. But if he doesn't, they are not saying that, class. Mm -hmm. If they said that, there's no faith there. Faith begins where the will of God is known. That means they're not sure whether it's his will or not or whether he will or not. No, no. You've got to look at the language. They're answering the question. He said this is going to happen if you fall down and worship me. And this is going to happen if you don't. And when they say if not they're saying if you don't throw us in. We're not going to worship your image. Now it would be uh, kind of unnecessary to say that you know if God doesn't deliver us we're not going to worship your image you're not going to do anything right? <laughs> if God doesn't deliver you uh, I've heard people preach whole sermons on this and say well yeah but their commitment was we're not going to do it but, and even if God doesn't know the, the story wouldn't be in the book if they said maybe he will maybe he won't no they said our God whom we serve is able to deliver us, and He will deliver us. Now, it can't be any more clear than that. But if not means, if you don't throw us in. Look up the words. Do a little study on it. See what I'm talking about. If you don't throw us in, you need to know, we are not going to fall down and worship your image. Well, man, that made him mad. That made him so... I mean, this is, this is all happening publicly. How I many understand, you don't back talk the king in public. I mean, it's just, oh... And, and that's why he went into a rage. He had them heat the furnace several, what, seven times hotter, is that what it was, than it had ever been heated before. I mean, the thing is melting. Uh, they, they just keep pouring the heat to it. And in fact, he commanded them, grab them, throw them in right now. He's, he's making a, a, an example out of them in front of this whole bunch. And the men, he got the biggest, strongest men to throw them in. And the heat was so intense, it killed the men Throwing them in. It killed them. And as they shoved them in, and he looks inside, they got all their clothes on. They just stood up inside the fire. And it looks like there's somebody else in there with them. (laughs) Because there was. And it said in verse 27, if you want to notice, and the princes and governors and captains and king counselors gathered and saw these men. After he called them out, upon whose bodies the fire had no power, nor was a hair of their heads singed, neither were their coats changed, nor the smell of fire had passed on them. You couldn't even smell any smoke or anything on them. What does that mean? They were from the moment they got close to that thing, God encapsulated them in a protective bubble. Where, I mean, the fire was nowhere, it didn't touch them, not even any smell of smoke. You could say they felt no harm. Hallelujah. Right? They, they, they had no damage, they felt no harm. And verse 29, uh, that the same uh, you know, king that was so enraged, he changed his mind. <laughs> he said, I make a decree. That every people, nation, language that speak anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're going to be cut in pieces. Their houses be made a dunghill, because there is no other God that can deliver after this sort. And see, that's what he had said to them. What God is that? It can deliver you out of my hand. And they said, our God, whom we serve, He is able to deliver us out of your hand, and He will, and He did. Hallelujah. That's faith. No, but if he doesn't. That's not in the Bible. It's not in the Bible. If he doesn't. If not, but if not means if you don't throw us in. They weren't going to worship no matter if he threw them in or if he didn't throw them in. They're not going to worship. But it would have been so much easier on their flesh to be delivered from the fiery furnace, instead of being delivered out of the middle, (laughs) come on, can you see that? Out of the midst, out of the middle of the fiery furnace, but yet it makes so much more exciting story, (laughs) is that right? (laughs) If you tell our little children that learn some of these stories in their children's classes, you know, if you say, and... uh, And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego prayed, and God moved on the king, and he said, Okay, I won't do it. And they all went home. They'll yawn and, and ask for an animal cookie. And it's no big deal, right? Right. But they heated the furnace seven times hotter than it had ever been heated, and they threw them into the middle of the fire. And here they come sailing right into the midst of this intense furnace and not a hair is singed, felt no harm, no damage, not even the smell of smoke. That is a greater testimony. Yes. That is a testimony that has stayed with us generation to generation to generation. If Paul had been delivered from the snake bite, an angel had moved the snake before it ever got to the campfire, and you never knew about it, And you never heard about it. And Paul never got bit. That's much more comfortable for Paul. Right? Right. But it's not the story. It's not the account. It's not the testimony. And God actually used this to open up the island for evangelism. Because when he didn't swell up and he didn't fall down and die. Now it said they changed their minds. Did you hear that phrase? That's something they, they couldn't have done is just walk up there unknown out of the shipwreck and change their minds from being goddess worshipers to being open to the gospel. That's not something you can just do because you look nice or talk well. It takes an intervention. It takes the power of God on these cases, and I don't know how many generations this had gone back on this island of Malta, how entrenched all of this God and Goddess worship was in their lives and minds, and how, how opposed they would have been to any other message. It took something. Dramatic. It took something that was beyond the natural, something that was an obvious miracle. It took deliverance from the storm and deliverance from the snake. Can, come on, can you see this? And so we need to understand, now it wouldn't have been a testimony if Paul had died from a snake bite. That wouldn't have been any kind of testimony. It was the deliverance. Now, you can't say that God caused the storm. You can't even say that God caused the snake to bite the man. But what you can say is that God, He didn't get glory in the storm. He got glory in everybody being saved from the storm. He didn't get glory in the snake bite, but He did get glory in Paul being delivered from the snake bite. God doesn't get glory in our sin, but he gets glory in us being saved from sin. Come on, can you see that? He doesn't get glory in us being sick, but he does get glory in us being healed from our sickness. And so the sickness wasn't the cause of the glory. The sickness was the occasion, occasion, opportunity for God to get glory. The sin wasn't the cause of the glory, but the salvation from it uh, was the glory. And so that's why we say when something bad, something even evil, something so shocking and unexpected happens, one of two things will happen. I know we've already said it, but I'm going to say it again. What will happen? It will either shake you up, and the enemy is trying to shake you away from your faith separate you, part you from your faith, shake you up, or what will you do? What what else? Or you'll hold on to your faith and you'll stay cool and calm and collected and you will say, God's still here. This didn't shock him, right? And you will just shake it off like it's no big deal. Hallelujah. And even though the enemy meant to kill you on the spot, he won't even harm you. Won't even hurt you. Hallelujah. He suffered no ill effect. He suffered no harm. And instead of it being a bad thing. And a terrible thing. And a reproach. Now everybody around you. Change their minds. Hallelujah. And is open to the gospel. And our time's out again today. But there's a lot more. Would you come back tomorrow. We're going to see more of this here. In faith school. I've got no-